0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of Roka Report, where today we take you back 20 years to a time when Sunderland was bouncing. I've just moved into our brand spanking new home, Stadium Alight, and today we are privileged to be speaking to not only one of the best centre-halves I've ever seen in the Red and White Stripes, but a player who had a major role in settling into our new home, making 168 appearances at the centre of our back four between 1997 and 2003. Today I'm very pleased to be speaking to Jodie Craddock. Welcome, Jodie. Hello there. Great to speak to you, even in, uh, in these circumstances.
1: Yes, it's all a bit strange at the moment with the coronavirus, but yes, it's always nice to talk and uh, relive a few of them fond memories of mine.
0: Yeah, let's cheer a few people up to when Sunday were almost at the top of the league,
1: touching distance we were. I I
0: imagine the, the recent events might have given you an opportunity to get some serious painting time in.
1: It has, yes. You know, I spend most of my days anyway, except for the weekends where I'm usually doing kids' football, so I spend most of my days you know, five or six hours a day painting. Now there's no kids clubs in the evening. I haven't got to take the football training and, and different bits and bobs. Uh, you know, I, I have longer. I haven't got to go and pick them up from the school run. So I've <laughs> So I've got another extra two or three hours of painting each day, which, you know, which benefits me, which is great. I just get work together and get it ready for art fairs, which have been cancelled at the minute, but there'll be other art fairs and they'll, and they'll be put on once uh, this clears over. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's just gives me time to get, more work together, which is fine. Good stuff.
0: Well, I want to come back to that because I'm one of your 70,000 followers on Twitter
1: uh-huh.
0: um, who follow you for little bits and pieces on the football, but mainly to see uh, some of your work, which uh, I've done is, is pretty spectacular to see. So I definitely no, want to touch you. on that before we finish up. Um, yeah, no problem. Because I, I think it's fantastic. But uh, to begin with, I want to take you back to the beginning. So I want to take you back to Cambridge United. Yeah. So where you started your career. Um, You made your debut as an 18 year old and went on to play 150 games during your first four years, where you were pretty much never present. So, this resulted in you being pretty highly rated at the time. So, were there any opportunities to leave Cambridge before Sunderland came knocking in 97?
1: Only one opportunity. You know, I loved Cambridge. I've got some great mates, which I still keep in contact with. And, uh, you know, I'm a young lad who's just left school going to play football. It was amazing. I went to Woking on loan from Cambridge. It was great. And then I, and I, and I come back from there and it really put me in a good position to then play games and become accustomed to playing you know, better football. Um, I nearly went to, very close to going to Oxford just before Sunderland came in. I was only a young boy, but I just didn't think it was the right deal the right time so I, I kind of said no to that one so yeah so then uh, then then Sunderland came knocking on the door and it was a matter of it would have been maybe the pre-season time um and then I went up to Sunderland I had a trial for a week or two and then I came back down to Cambridge and I think we virtually started the season and then they were like right yeah we want to sign you come back up again and I went back up and uh you know the rest is history as they say because didn't you just
0: miss out on playing under John Beck at Cambridge or was he was he still around yes yeah,
1: so I missed out on that. Fortunately, because mm. I heard some uh, horror stories about <laughs> the amount of running he used to like doing, and uh, yeah, for, for me, I wasn't—I was never a runner. At the start of my career, I was never a runner. I was caught i was fast, and I—you know—had a lot of pace. But I wasn't a runner so I had to work really hard in that early stages of my career to build up my fitness and kind of turn myself into a you know hard worker a runner you know someone you know you know, put, you know do the runs and then keep that uh, that fitness and that endurance during a game it was hard work for me it took, it took a lot and a few years but once I got it I kind of maintained it I kind of maintained it for my whole career then it was uh so yeah I'm but I'm really glad I just missed out just missed out, on John Beck. Based on I oh, know the amount of running he used to do. <laughs> yeah, well, he had,
0: had a good uh, friendship though because you were uh, under Gary Johnson. Who yeah, Gary Johnson, fantastic yeah, he,
1: record. Yeah, he was. Oh, he was brilliant. Took me to the club. Gary Johnson did absolutely brilliant. Gave me my opportunity. Yeah, and then and then after he went, it was uh, it was uh, John. Ta- uh, he,
0: he had a big effect on you. Then, whoever it was.
1: it <laughs> was? Well, I was just thinking there was a couple of them. There's a two or three. Uh, Roy McFarlane was one. He was the one. Roy McFarlane was a manager that. Yeah. Um, so he was there and he was a great manager. He was there. just. He kept me there, you know, and, and he was a manager just as I left. So they really wanted to. Sorry, I just remembered it was Tommy Taylor. Sorry, I apologise for Tommy <laughs> Taylor. I can't remember how I forgot him. I was thinking John Taylor, who was the centre forward, but Tommy Taylor. Uh, so, sorry, back to the question. Uh, I was holding out my contract and not signing, in, but it was only because. I'd had clubs interested and um, it was really hard. I was only a young lad and uh, they put a lot of pressure on me to sign. And they, of course, they wanted me to sign and stay at Cambridge. But, you know, I, I kind of had wind of it that a club had come in and clubs were coming in and really interested. So, you know, it would have been silly to sign. And uh, so it's just one of those things I kind of held out and, and, and got the move, which was brilliant.
0: When Sunderland came, I mean, was it an easy decision? Because I, I wonder, I mean, how did the conversation go? Was it because you were 22 at the time? Did yeah. Peter Eats say... I want you to, you kind of for the future, or I want you to really push from the off to get in that first eleven.
1: Uh, it was just about, I think he just saw potential in me, and uh, I don't think he was taking me up there to particularly took me in the team straight away. I think he just saw potential. He saw how hard I worked. You know, I was, I was fast. I was good in the air. I was a good tackler. Then you know, my distribution was lacking a bit, but that was something we could work on. But, then, but you know, I've worked really, really hard because that's how I've always done my whole career. And I, I forced myself into the team in the first season I was there, which was a shock to me. I think we even played at Wembley, which was brilliant. So, yeah, I don't think, you know, I think he brought me in thinking, right, he's a young lad with potential. Let's see if we can, uh, you know, Build that potential, and, and, and thankfully I repaid them and, and got into the team, and, and yeah, had a great career at Sunderland.
0: Yeah, because you, you signed. I mean, you ended up signing for, for three hundred thousand in that summer of '97, um, and yeah. it was just after we'd been relegated from the Premier League. But I mean, when you came in, did you get that feeling that the club was still getting over uh, relegation, or was it right kind of focused on on getting back uh, getting back there?
1: Not particularly. I was only a young boy, so it was all quite uh, you know a big shock to me. I I remember going up there the first the first day, the day I went up there to to see Peter Reid. You know, Roker was still open, which was great. So I got to go to Roker and just see what it was about. But it was getting shut down because you know the day I was signed was the day that Stadium like opened. So uh, it was just great. It was uh, you know great times, and I've enjoyed it so much.
0: I mean that that summer. I mean, as, as well as yourself, we, we signed uh, Kevin Phillips, obviously <laughs> Chris Meaghan, Mier- yeah. Lee Clark, yeah. Chris Byrne. Edwin Zoida came in and they started building up a bit of optimism around the city with the new stadium open. I mean, I, I remember my my own reaction when I, when I walked in for the for the Ajax friendly. I mean, I, I couldn't believe walking into the stadium. like I couldn't believe it was ours, to be honest. But um, I wonder, was there a similar excitement within the squad in that summer to get going in the new stadium?
1: Yeah, it was an excitement because it was just. An amazing stadium, and uh, God, who doesn't want to play on a stadium like that? You know, every player, especially a young player like myself, it was my dream to play there. You know, like I said, I was still a young boy, so playing on the, you know, I didn't play in that that against Ajax. Um, I actually didn't play that game. I was only a young boy, just gone to the team. You know, I was kind of more worrying about my own career and what I could do to make sure I played at this amazing club. And uh, I think that's kind of, that was always going through my head. What can I do? What can I do to be where these players are? And, um, you know, plan that pitch. Uh, I wasn't kind of thinking, right, you know, looking, I wasn't projecting forward thinking, right, we're going to, you know, go for promotion and all this. And and that wasn't, you know, I was thinking, how am I going to get in this team? That that was my one and only thought: is what am I going to do to get in this team? Who am I up against? You know, them type of things. I, I wasn't thinking further than that of like, oh, this is a great team. You know, didn't. You know, Kev Phillips come to the team is fantastic. But I didn't know anything about Kev before then. You know, most of the players I didn't know know much about. Um, so it wasn't like I had an idea of how well they could do. You know, just one of them. I think it's probably more of a selfish point of view that uh, I was just thinking about myself and how I can make sure I turn this into a you know good opportunity opportunity for myself
0: well, I mean just thinking about it there as you were talking I mean I'm just thinking walking through those doors as, as a 22 year old into a squad with the likes of Kevin Ball, Alex Ray yeah yeah uh, I think Hall was still there, Queen, yeah, yeah. huge characters in the squad that you came in. Yeah,
1: they were brilliant, fantastic guys. Yeah, nice people as well, really nice guys, which I got on very well with. I kept my head down, I worked really hard and I think they just appreciated that, um, you know, it paid off in the end. But yeah, players that I looked up to, looked up to and learnt from, you know, every single day in training, saying that, Alex Ray, who, you know, is a great mate of mine now, it, I couldn't understand a word he was saying for weeks and weeks. I just couldn't understand a word he was saying. I had to learn Scottish, as stupid as it sounds. I could not understand a word he was saying, and it was like, and it was like a foreign language. You know, I'd been at Cambridge, I'd been at Bournemouth before that, and I'd, you know, I, you know, I'd never encountered a Scottish person like, on a daily basis. So I had to kind of, but it was so, it was a bit, uh, it was crazy you know yeah. but uh but you know you, you settle in and uh, you learn to love the place and the people and the accent yeah everything's everything's
0: brilliant so you know really really did enjoy it up there yeah, so you had to learn the uh, scottish in your first year
1: then didn't you yes yes <laughs> yeah the mac was easier yeah. than scottish scottish was really <laughs> tough i just good. It just sounded like chinese and i was like what is he saying <laughs> but all of a sudden it clicked and i think right okay i understand now but uh but yeah brilliant well,
0: imagine any squad with uh, Peter Reid and Bobby Saxon at, at the top, will, uh, it, you'll have that team spirit kind of just built in, almost. Uh, uh, and yeah. Of-
1: yeah, definitely. But team spirit is massive. You, you, you know, I think Leicester proved that a few seasons ago when they won the premiership. You need team spirit in a team if you want to do well as a team you need that team spirit um you know you could have a team of world beaters but if you haven't got that spirit in there then then it's not going to work and we had that and uh, Peter Reid and, and Saka were brilliant everybody just got on so well with them and they'd ensure there was that team spirit we'd go out on you know team day outs and that's what Peter Reid was about is he was I think it was important to him that the team you know got on really well and there was no hiccups, and uh, I think it, that pays off. The team subconsciously just worked better on the pitch then, and on and off the pitch. So
0: we, we, we obviously we got into that first season at Stadium Light. We started at the beginning uh, without your involvement. I, I might add to just to that, and we we lost three of the first four league games, and um, obviously not having the best of starts. And then it gets worse. We we got beat four 0 at Elm Park, which I think is a pretty legendary game now um, in Sunderland folklore. And by this point, you've made your debut in the League Cup against Bury. But yeah. were you getting when that Peter Reed wanted to change things up or was it it was a bit of a surprise to you as well
1: uh, I don't know as a, like I said all, all I can do is you know work really hard you kind of might get an inkling of these things about how you hard you. Working, training, obviously reserves. You play reserve games and you're doing okay, and uh, you know you get a little inkling. So you know it's good for players that there's always pressure on them from other teammates. You know, one in their position. And I was hungry. I was ready for it. I was hungry for it, and uh, it was great. I think me and Daz Williams went in, and uh, we did. We had a really good partnership, and we, did we obviously played in the reserves together, and, and you kind of understood each other's game, and it just worked. Um, did I get an inkling? I suppose when the team's losing there's always that pressure and there's always that, that pressure on the manager to to try a change. You know, he could have put me in too early and it might not have worked and it wouldn't have been an issue. that You know, If would took me out again and said he's not ready and put me in at a later date and it's one of them things but you put the player in, you put me in, you put Daz in and we do well and there you go. You know, there's the partnership. You just formed a new partnership that can handle themselves in the first team.
0: Well, obviously, we're, we're talking about that, that huge turnaround and because you as you said, you came in after that Reading game. The next league game was away to Huddersfield. You came in with Darren Williams in the in the centre of defence, and up to that point, we'd lost five in the first ten. Yeah, and then after that point, we lost three in the next thirty-six league games. And this this turnaround talked about quite a lot. You know, when you talk about this kind of era and how Peter Reid kind of turned that around. But within the squad, was it a case of you know where those characters were talking about? Did you? just know that the form was going to come at some point or were there a few strong words behind the scenes from certain characters to get people going?
1: Look, you've got characters like Borley and Alex Ray. They're your strong characters. So they're your, they're ones that like, Gee, what? come on, you know, you know that as a player, but they're your ones you look, look towards. They're the ones that set the example, you know, they you know, Bawley's the captain. You, he leads by example, you follow him. He, you know, he goes in and smashes into a tackle. You're right behind him, backing him up type thing. You know, he led by example. He was brilliant. And, and you know, Alex Ray. That's what those type of players do, and um, they then give you that confidence. You know, when you're a young player, it's you know it's great. You, you don't do any wrong. Yeah, people weren't expecting me to go in and be brilliant, and you just go in and, and enjoy. You try and enjoy it. Uh, I didn't realise that was the statistics behind it all, but uh, yeah, fantastic. Yep. Uh, so yeah, you kind of look to these big players to kind of drag the players through, and then and then you you build as players, and at the same time, and uh, you know it's great. That's what. Football is about it's about that's what having a captain in your team that's that's like that that's what it's about. You know, you need those players to, to guide the younger players.
0: For you that must have been pretty incredible to come in and obviously, you know, from Cambridge, kind of stepping up kind of two divisions from division three, I think it was back then. Yeah. I don't know whether it was four or three, but I'm pretty sure it was the third, the third division back then. And then you stepped up to the to the first division, but to go in to go straight into the team and then go into a team that's you know Banging the goals in on one end, and you're keeping it tight at the other, losing three and 36. I mean, you made 31 starts in the end that season. So that must have been an incredible debut season or something.
1: It was amazing. Yeah, when you say it like that, I didn't quite know how many it was, but yeah fantastic a bit of a dream start for me really you don't expect that as a player I would have been happy to just come in and dip in and out the team and play when I was required but like I said you take them opportunities when them opportunities arise you've got to take them it's throughout my whole career when you get that opportunity you can't kind of crumble and and let it slip by you you have to rise to it and you have to grasp it and take it and make the most of it and I think I was that type of player unless I had that you know froze on the spot it wasn't going to happen I'd worked so hard for that opportunity and it was really important that I um, took that opportunity uh, but with the players in front of you they, we had some great players I used to stand I used to stand at, I used to stand, stand at the back it's not just that year but the you know the year after and the year after when we are in the premiership and I used to think my god this is so I, this is so easy I think and I'd just head of the ball and tackle people and I'd roll it to the nearest player <laughs> and they'd just pass up the pitch and go and smash it in the goal and that's what I've, I remember standing there I think yeah. it might have been a, it might have been boxing day who did we play? We played. Um, it could have been. It could have been Grimsby. It could have been them, or it could have been Bradford. It was like a four-nil or a four-one. It was, it was Bradford, Bradford. It was
0: Bradford, sorry, Bradford. Two in your first season.
1: And I and I, stood, and I stood at the back thinking, "God, this is easy." I'm thinking, <laughs> "These lads are brilliant." I'm thinking, "Look at these lads. I'm thinking these are brilliant. They're just passing it. You know, Alan Johnson, Mickey Gray. You know these type of players up and down the field." I think when it comes to me, right, I just win it, just head it, just tackle it. There you go, nice and simple. And uh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. They made, they made my job easy.
0: Yeah, that, um, due that boxing deal, we absolutely battered them 2-0. I think it could have been 5-6-7. Well, um, I was
1: thinking it might have been another one. I think it was a flock of 4-0. I think Don Hutchinson scored. I thought it was Grimsby, but I might be, I might be wrong.
0: The boxing Day in your first season was, was Bradford and uh, Yeah, I know. Oh, sorry, it was, a,
1: it was a couple yeah. of seasons later. But yeah. it was just, I just missed <laughs> that, that feeling of, my God, it's boxing day with 4-0 up. And uh, you know that's when you enjoy. As a player, don't people say, oh, did you enjoy it? And think, no, I didn't really enjoy playing I love playing football, but you don't get to enjoy a game of football because you're, like, working really hard on that pitch and, and you, you know, you're trying to get everything right. But when you are 4-0 up, that's when you enjoy a game of football because everything's going right. But before that, 1-0, 2-0, you know, it's not something you enjoy. You enjoy it after. You enjoy scoring a goal, but uh, during a game, it's like working and then you knuckle down. And uh, But, yeah, when you get a nice lead, then you can enjoy it, which is great.
0: We might have quite a few younger listeners <laughs> who are we'll listening to yeah. this. Just don't quite understand how much Sunderland won back then because I'm not sure we've we've really experienced it since that. I've never experienced had that feeling of going to watch Sunderland since that period where I've just thought Sunderland are going to win today, and yeah. that was was the only period in my time in my life where I've just thought how many are we going to win today? I mean, just just give you an example. I mean that that period you're talking about in your first season, yeah. Um, and I'll go from the, the last game of November to the last game of December. And I'm just going to rattle off the scores and this is Sunderland winning every single one. We won 3-0, 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 2-0. That's
1: <laughs> great, isn't it? I mean, clean yeah. sheets. That's brilliant. From um, I'm thinking, well, I'm a defender. Clean sheets. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, these players are just banging them goals and like I said, it, they made my job easy at the back.
0: Absolutely incredible team. I mean, it's it obviously I was I was at the right age as well, kind of you know mid teens. I mean it was just perfect. I mean suddenly we fly, and this was the season it all started because the, the year before obviously ended in relegation. The whole kind of city was down, thinking oh you know this new stadium and it's in the second yep. division, and that team just kind of pulled it round that that season. It was it was just an amazing time. Exactly. Um, So, dead um, that season, I mean, especially from the first 10 games. I mean, what what did we say that, you know, losing five in the first 10 10 league games? We ended up going on to get 90 points by the end of the season, but lost out uh, to Middlesbrough by a point in getting automatic promotion. In most years, that would have seen us lift the title. So, I mean, how did the squad fail after that? Was it was it a, was it a blow and you needed to be lifted back up, or was it just straight into the playoffs?
1: Straight into playoffs, and it? yeah, it's always that I, oh, you know, that hope, that wish, you know. But uh, yeah, straight into the playoffs, and uh, yeah. yeah, we all we all know how that finished. But um, maybe oh, yeah. we did, I'm, I'm going to say I'm maybe maybe that. we weren't <laughs> quite ready. Maybe we weren't quite ready. Uh, you know, while we were me and we were only young, maybe we weren't quite ready, and you know that extra season in the championship you know and that which was fantastic and, and then we got promoted after that so uh, yeah maybe it just wasn't the time but it's one of them isn't it's you know when when you do actually win it's it's amazing you're still hope, thinking all the way along though come on you know I hope we can do this I hope nothing just you know gives away and, and we get an injury and it all messes up you, you know you you think like that as a player I suppose I suppose that's what makes you work harder at the end of the day
0: well I just want to touch on that playoffs because we lost the first leg in the semi-final against Sheffield United 2-1 on the sunday and then they came back to the stadium the light for the second leg yeah. under the under the floodlights. and the, i don't know if you can remember but the thick fog on the wednesday night for me this was still the best atmosphere i've ever witnessed at any football match never mind Sunderland. i mean i, I don't know whether you can remember it but can okay. you even describe what that was like the no,
1: i totally agree i totally agree i've never heard in my whole career you know 20 years that cheers and the, the, the fans as loud as That day. You know, when someone, you know, one of your kids screams in your ear and your ear makes that funny kind of whining noise. Right. Well, that's what I got when the fans cheered. It was, I'd never heard anything after that, anything before that, anything like that, you know, before. It was so loud. And my God, that must strike fear into the opposing team and it really helped lift us up. And, uh, you know, wow, how amazing is that to have that following and that that push behind you? It gives you such a boost. It's brilliant.
0: That, mate as I said, I mean, we're all missing Roker Park, I think, but this was, I think, the night when everyone said, right, we've found our new home now because, I mean, you hear about people describe atmospheres as being electric, but, with yeah. it, I mean, it was all it all kind of came together that night, like, the, the, the scenario that we had a win by two goals, the fog, and we were just on top of them from the off and we 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 ended up getting those two goals and kind of setting up that Wembley playoff final. But it was just such an amazing night.
1: I agree. You know, I'll always remember it's fantastic, great right, for the fans. You know, what a, what a privilege to me, for me to you know at a young age being involved in that and uh, you know then getting to play at Wembley. Well, that was a bit of a dream as well. So uh... yes, yeah, so end, end of your first season with Sunderland and we
0: set up that playoff final at Wembley. Um, so how, how did you find the, the build up for for the game of that size at Wembley, especially in your first season at that level?
1: Do you know what I think when you're a young lad, you just take things in your stride and you kind of I don't know, I didn't things didn't really affect me. You're you're only young, just kind of get on with it. You you know, you look towards your older players and they're quite calm yeah yes inside they'd be nervous good, so I was always nervous for every game in my whole career but that was just that was a good thing I thought but yeah you take in your stride. and I think what a, what a privilege you know for my family to come and watch me play at Wembley um fantastic I didn't enjoy the result don't get me wrong but I you know I loved the experience and loved that opportunity to play at such an amazing place just such an amazing team
0: did really kind of give you plenty of notice that you were in the team or was it a last minute kind of pin it up on I the can't
1: I can't quite remember to be honest but you know you kind of get the inkling as a player that if you've been playing then you continue to play so um, I'm just trying to think I, you know you didn't no to the day with Reedy, whether you were in the team or not in the team. It was one of them ones. So, but yeah, I suppose there's always that relief when your name goes up and you're on that board and you're thinking, you're right, yeah, this is my day. I'm going to, you yeah, know, I'm playing. This is it. He said you said
0: you made the start in 11, and as was a, with the game, it was a fairly dull first half with uh, Charlton, kind of with Clive Mendonca going in 1 0 up. Um, but then after that, it all, Kind of descended into chaos with seven goals across it, uh, the second half and extra time, um, <laughs> and then it goes to four four. But as a defender in that sort of game, I mean, does it just go to how you can hold your nerves because it, the goals are flying in at both ends, and you just think every everything that hits is going to go in. Oh, I mean, yeah. How do you feel the game? I just <laughs> chaotic like
1: that. And uh, it is chaotic. I'm thinking, well, we've let four goals, and I ain't done my job right there, and you know, something's gone wrong. You know, at that point, did you know my age go against me? Was I not experienced enough to deal with it uh it's one of them isn't it um i've never watched the video i've never watched the game back and i don't feel i need to ever watch it back to be honest um you know we lost that game we actually you know went to penalties if you took just the game and the extra time it was a draw but you know we lost on penalties but yeah but if i was to watch that game i'd pick out a million faults and a million things i did wrong but um you know all I can say it's a team game, so uh, you know I can't like just blame myself for not you know for letting him for you, know, you. You do it as a team. You you know as a young lad you probably don't realise that, but as you get older and more experienced, then you realise, yeah, you know, as a team, you know it's a team game here, and uh, everyone's at fault when you were uh, when you let him four goals.
0: Yeah. Well, just out of interest, what was the what was the message at, at full time when you were going in extra time? Was it just a case of you know reading sucks and just trying to kind of get you? Back up and get the energy levels going. Yeah, it, exactly. Kind of exactly. You know, fair, get the first
1: I think, goal. Or... I can't, to be honest, I can't really remember. But uh, <laughs> I think from a manager's point of view, you know, your lads are tired. It, it is right. Come on, you've got to keep everybody. You know, that end of time to you know give anybody a, a telling off, nothing like that. It's a time to get everybody together. Get you know checking no injuries, checking everyone feels okay. You know, right. Go in there, dig in. You know, give it give it all you've got you know you've come this long road through the season um right you know put everything in for that for the remaining extra time but uh you know we'll just just wasn't enough yeah, yeah we drew that extra time but it just wasn't enough and we lost on the penalties and, you know penalties are a lot of hate penalties it's um, yeah. it's just one of them things and uh, someone's got missed at the end of the day i was i was there beyond that
0: goal um i mean <laughs> just um you did mention the penalties there but I'm just wondering, has has it got, has it crept up and it got to six, six, seven, six? I mean, had the thought crossed your mind that you might need at some point?
1: I was absolutely (laughs) bricking it. I was was thinking, oh my god, I can't take a penalty. I was thinking, I can't take a penalty. What, what's, you know, it's like my first season at Sunderland. I've been in playing in the division two and three for cambridge before this i'd never felt so much pressure in my life i was thinking i can't take a penalty i just don't, i don't even know what i do i do it i thought if i had to take one i'm always going to like right i'm right footed so i'm going to go bottom left i'm going to drag the ball low keep it low and hard and go into bottom left but i was watching the keeper and so if it was a right footed shot he'd always dive to the right and if there's a left footed shot he's always going to the left i was thinking i'm doomed i am absolutely doomed because he's in the way I'm going to put it every single time I'm thinking I just don't know what else to do I I didn't have the nerve to think well I'll just put it in the other corner then but I was just thinking I'm doomed, I'm doing I'm so but you know bless Mickey Gray steps up and he misses it but oh, if it weren't Mickey it'd have probably been me missing it so uh cheers Mickey for missing that one because it would have been <laughs> next
0: I mean when you were deciding them did did uh did they only go up to the the first five and it yeah. was just kind of whoever fancies it after that
1: yeah. It, that's it. Yeah. You, you, you know, I run kids football teams and I'm like, and if you go to a penalty competition, I say, right, who wants to take them? I don't care who just says they want to take them. Penalties. It was all about being confident. And, uh, cause I know that if I, with my kids, if I did 10 penalties each in training, they'd, they'd all be absolutely brilliant. But it's who can cope with that pressure on the day. And, uh, you know in that moment and uh so the manager goes who wants to take them and whoever says yep and you go with it and uh you don't think past the five penalties you don't think who's next i've got danny ditcho next to me saying who's our center forward by the way saying i am not taking a penalty and i'm thinking would you, would you and we're going what do you mean you're not taking a penalty he says i'm not taking a penalty i say then me and daz are like Oh, well, one of us is going to have to take on. I just, yeah. I, I'm kind of hoping Daz, being a bit more experienced at being at a bigger club than me, might have, uh, may have took one before me. But uh, I don't know. It didn't get that far, so uh, we'll never know. Well, it did finish at 7-6. So, but
0: um, obviously everyone was, I mean, everyone was good. I mean, I was, I was absolutely devastated behind the goal there. But I mean, in terms of the players, I've, I've read kind of various players' books and heard stories with things like this. And I mean, I've heard that the squad drowned their sorrows of uh, the way back um, was that was that a good uh, good session
1: I think that the club had hired I don't even know where the room was it had hired a place so it would have been like a, if we'd have won it would have been a victory celebration if we lost it would have yeah. just been some food type thing so yeah but we so we still had to go there which was a bit of a drag you know the only thing you want to do when you've finished is go home and just do nothing care. but no we still had to go there and have some food and uh, you know we'd, we'd had a couple of drinks not that really, people were particularly drinking but uh, you know he did his best to cheer everybody up as he did he was a he was a right good laugh so um yeah it was a it's, a it's a tough one you still have to go through the motions and uh that's part and parcel of football I suppose isn't it yeah I think
0: I, I heard or the, the stories on the on the team coach I think there was a good one where I don't know how true it was but I'm sure I heard this one where I might have been in Ed Quinney's book or something like that actually where he said um there was a request to mix the coaches up so kind of some of the, you know, the wives and girlfriend's coach and mix it up with the players so some players went on the other coach and uh, there was talk of that going on and I think I read uh, that Bobby Saxon just went nope none of that the, the, the players <laughs> coach is sacrilege <laughs> and it's not yeah, like that
1: that's probably about right yeah I can imagine Sacco doing that uh, You know, obviously Sacco weren't too happy at the end of the game which is understandable and uh, I'm at, at the end of the game I've just got my head down, and I'm just kind of as you do you just get yourself ready and sort stuff out but, but yeah I can imagine Sacco saying that he was he'd be quite blunt and that'd be it No, nope. yeah no chance uh it was probably it was probably a good move to be honest
0: my overriding memory of walking out of Wembley was because uh, Wembley was dropping a bit by that point and there was a uh, port cabins which were essentially all the toilets <clears throat> yeah. and um as we were coming out they were playing over the tunnel and there were all the child and you can hear the Charlton fans celebrating and stuff still in the stadium and the fans and they had playing over the all of the time they had played um, I'm Walking on Sunshine oh, great and, and at that point I was walking through whatever was leaking out of these porter cabins oh, no. certainly wasn't sunshine I, uh, for you,
1: man.
0: yeah there you go so yeah so <clears throat> I mean we all know reading Saxon could motivate a place but that must have taken some kind of <laughs> skills to pick that squad up after that
1: well it do you know what you go it's then you go on your break for the summer holidays, you know, you go on your break, you go on holiday, you get over it. You know, you've got no choice really, because then you're coming back and, it, you, you know, you use that time off to reflect, to kind of forget about it. And you come back feeling fresh and ready. And it's one of them, it's like, right, we'll come back and we'll be even better. And, um, you know, we did come back and we were better. And, uh, it, you know, it was brilliant. Um That's what you do. That's what you do. That's what you have to do, you know, point kind of, Worrying about it and and letting it affect you. You, you. you know, if you want to do well, you forget about it and carry on and train hard in pre season and, and and make sure you um, do great the following year. Yeah,
0: because actually, what, what's amazing is considering how well we did and having missed out. Um, that that all of that squad basically stayed together for the for the next year.
1: And rightfully so, there are, you know there was a good team there. Um, why change it? You know, unless obviously. I know it's harder uh, if you've got a team coming in wanting to buy a player and going up to the premiership, but you know, you keep hold of you know your top players, it's brilliant and that's what you need to do and that's what the manager did um, and that puts you in a good position then going into the, the following year, you, you've still got that strong squad that had been winning games and you know hopefully strengthen it and, and go on and get promotion we'll
0: go into the, the the following season and obviously picking, picking the squad back up. You, you actually started that season in, in the first 11, which, and I think what looked like that was the plan where we'd signed Paul Butler from Bury. And it looked like, you know, it was going to be you and Paul Butler to, to the kind of play regularly that season. You, you guys were the first choice centre-halves that season, but um, you picked up an injury early on. Andy Melville came in and you weren't yeah. able to get back in the side. I mean, Obviously, it's it's difficult not playing, but was it made easier or more difficult that the team was playing so well the next season um, that you, you could didn't really have an argument to get back in?
1: That's exactly what it was. I, did, I had no argument to get back in. All I had to do is I couldn't do anything. Um, you know, when a team's winning... All you can do is train and and wait for your moment. And my moment will never really arise because you have a team that's winning and doing so well, which is um, disappointing from my point of view, but you're a team player. And what do you want? Inevitably, you want your team to get promotion. So you know, it's kind of a bittersweet was you want your team to win and get promotion because that just benefits the whole of Sunderland. Yeah, but I wasn't playing. So all you do is just work really hard and, and play your reserve games and, and do everything you can just to make sure that you're ready if there is an opportunity that you can just step in and um you know and carry on as the player before you was yeah
0: and and a, one of the aspects i've read from you know peter Reid's management style from from a few ex players was was that even when you weren't in the in the team you still made you feel part of it and you felt part of the squad was that how you felt at that that
1: time as well? Yeah, I think so. You've got to, haven't you, as as a manager? Everybody, you need a squad. It's not about just 11 players on that pitch. Uh, It's about a squad because at any moment somebody can get injured and if you've got somebody on the sideline who's not, you know, feels like they've been pushed out and they're not happy, then you're asking them to come in and do a job and and be professional. So, yeah, it's really, it's a big job for a manager and a coach to keep everybody happy the whole squad happy make sure you know players are ready to come in and, and you, you've got to keep them players that are on the fringe happy and that they can come straight in and do a job if required and uh you know they did a, did a good job at doing that you know they believed in a really good team morale which 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 isn't a necessity
0: well you know that season we we romped home over 100 points you know 28 clean sheets we were kind of breaking records all over the place uh, you know Phillips was banging them in when he was banging them yeah. in. It was an incredible yeah. season, but it must have been slightly bittersweet for you. You know, not playing as much football as you would have liked uh, that season, and the club doing so well.
1: Yes, I know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But understandable. You can't get in a team which is winning. How can I, you know, how can I knock on a manager's door and say I should be playing when the team's winning? I've got no argument. Um, you know, Butts and, and Andy were doing great in there, so I had no argument. That I could knock on the door and say look I should be playing I, you know I couldn't I couldn't do that because they were doing brilliant not the ideal situation from from a personal point of view but for you know that was great going forward that you know it was it was helping my career I was going to be then become a premiership player based on the hard work that these boys have put in all season and um, it was fantastic for the club at that time.
0: Got promotion to the Premier League and then it was I mean obvious when teams get promoted to the Premier League but um, Peter Reid was going to go out and strengthen I think every, everyone knew that and he went out and brought in I mean on paper uh, and actually one of the best defenders I've ever seen he brought in Steve Baldwin some. something yes. um, yeah. I thought was an incredible player and he brought in Thomas Helmer as well and then you ended up um, going out on loan to, to Sheffield United I mean at, at this point did you start looking elsewhere for, for permanent moves or were you always thinking I'll you know I'll get fitted or I'll get some games under my belt at Sheffield United and then get back in at some
1: yeah, that's exactly what I thought. It wasn't. I knew Adrian Heath from being at Sunderland. And um, yeah, you know, they brought Boldy in, who was brilliant and it was a fantastic player. And I was thinking, well, how am I going to compete against him? So yeah, going on down loan was great. I really enjoyed it. I went in to play at Sheffield United and I, you know, played some good football. I think I was there a month. And uh, who else was there? I think Stanislav Varga. I think he might have been in front of me as well. Was that that year? Did they bring him in? And I think he got a big uh, injury and... I think he was playing. I don't know. I think he could have been playing. And he, I think he, I he got an injury. And not, then I came back. I don't know. I can't quite remember. But uh, I was a month on loan at Sheffield. and I think I'd come back. And uh, you know, I was back in the first team. But, that's all, you know, brilliant. Yeah, you know, Reserves are really good. Don't get me wrong. We had a great reserve team. I really enjoyed it. Played some great games. Um, but you can't compare to that competitive football of the championship or whatever division you're in. You know, that competitive Saturday Three o'clock football, you know. There's, there's no comparing to it. So if you can go on and learn and play them games, then they're ideal, you know, because then that really makes you ready for when your team does need you.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that, that that's exactly what happened. I mean, you came back from Sheffield United and you end up playing 18 times in the Premier League that season and finished as you know one of the first names done on the team sheet by the end of the season, which which was amazing. And uh, you also played in one of the games that season that's still talked about uh, today. Um, the, the Chelsea game at the stadium I liked we ended up uh, <laughs> 4-0 up by the 38th minute I mean that, that must have been another fantastic game to be involved in
1: Oh amazing like I said you know you start to enjoy a game at 4-0 but I spoke earlier on in the conversation about it you know it was the players in front of me were so good the way they passed that ball around it made my job easy me, you know, me and Daz or whoever was at, we were at the back you know we had pl- our players to mark we Mark them. We would win our tackles. We get to, we'd stop them doing their jobs, and then just pass it to the to the ballers. Our fullbacks, so our centre midfielders, pass it to them. Let them get on and do the passing and all the you know and all the fancy stuff. Um, you know, it was brilliant to what, what a team to be involved with, and uh, yeah, in fact, that was a fantastic result. And you know, Phillips was banging them in, but you had partnerships. Mickey Gray, Alan Johnson. You know what partnerships they were. You know, you need that throughout the whole squad. Phillips, you know Phillips Quinn. We knew all know how good that was. You know, you need those partnerships, and they everything just seemed to be clicking. It was great.
0: That's the strength and depth of that squad was amazing. I mean, just looking at that day, we're talking about that fantastic Chelsea game. I mean, centre midfield in front of you, uh, in front of you that day was uh, Eric Roy and Paul Fairwell Who you know. People might not mention much about fantastic wow. players.
1: Well, there you go. I didn't know what the team was, but that just shows the strength of the squad that then players could come in and, and help turn a team over like Chelsea for what was the end result four two. So uh, it was
0: four one in the end.
1: Yeah. Four one, sorry. So yeah. So I suppose that just goes to show the strength of the squad and how good. We had a great reserve team as well. At some point, I think yeah. we won the, the, the reserve league, and we, I remember us having like fifteen thousand fans at home against a Man United in a against a Man United reserve team I think oh my god who, who? I bet there aren't many reserve teams I can say they had 15,000 fans watching yeah. them at home I was thinking wow that was you know it was like a first team game it was uh, it was absolutely ridiculous it was brilliant yeah I was
0: there I think it was 20, 20 odd I think it was 21
1: 22,000 oh really wow there you go <laughs> that's more than most teams in the divisions isn't it so uh, yeah that was a reserve team game I think it wow that was amazing. I yeah. think I scored that day as well. I remember it.
0: Brilliant time because that that result, that result put us fourth in the Premier League. Um yeah. But after that, we won one out of the next twelve, and we ended up finishing seventh. And I mean, to this day, I mean, can you put your finger on what happened to our former team?
1: I can't. know. it's one of them strange ones, isn't it? One out, one out of twelve, and finishing seventh. Just think if we'd have won a couple of games, where we, you know, we could have ended up. Think, you know, what a shame, but. You know, things like that do happen, and there's no putting your finger on it because you don't change anything you do in training. You don't, you know, you don't become a worse football team overnight. It doesn't work like that. But uh, so no, I can't put my finger on it. I don't think, uh, you know, I suppose if you could put your finger on it, then you'd uh, the manager would have done something about it. And uh, it just wasn't working. It was uh, it's one of them strange ones, isn't it? You you, you don't see it coming. And then once it happens, you can't, I suppose it comes down to a bit of confidence. Well. And if that confidence starts to drop, then to build that confidence up is hard. And if, you know, football's a massive confidence game, if you have confidence, then things go for you and players, are, you know, play 10% better. And, you know, in this Premiership, you know, have some small margins that really do count and uh, make that big difference. And then, then, then points are so important.
0: It's one of the big board ifs And... The other thing in that season, uh, you also played in your first time with a derby at uh, the Stadium alight, uh, when we came back from two down to, to draw twos apiece. And so yeah. what, what, where do you rate the experience of a northeast derby in, in your career?
1: I love derbies. Uh, the questions I get now, what were your favourite games? You know, derbies were my favourite games of all time. You know, they were just amazing. I kind of understood where the fans were coming from. I kind of had that feeling myself and, you um, you know, uh, uh, Wolves, West Brom, you know, Sunderland, Newcastle, obviously. I love derbies. I'd be in derby mode from, you know, <laughs> we'd have a game on a Saturday. You'd have a Sunday off. you come in training Monday. I'm thinking, right, I'm in derby mode now. You know, and that was it. I'd, my intensity, I'd you know, set my own kind of goals and boundaries. And the intensity would go on thinking my whole week's going to be bang on. Every single thing I do is going to be going to be perfect and i'm going to take that into the game so you know i go into that game ready you know to the best of my ability and then hopefully the managers chose me you know that will be enough and uh, i used to love derbies i'd be nervous as hell for the whole week but they were great because those nerves i'd really kind of focus focus how i you know what i did and um yeah really helped me out so uh I absolutely love derbies. hate losing them, but I absolutely love playing them.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you said you, you were acting different during that week, but was there just a different feeling around the whole place in the, in the build-up to the week? Because I know as fans, I mean, we can't sleep, we can't drink, we can't eat. It's, was there that sort of feeling around the... Yeah, the I think so.
1: Yeah, I do think so. I think the intensity... You know, usually... And the build up to a game in the week, Monday, Tuesday, you know, it's a bit lighter after the weekend. It's a bit more of a, you might do a bit of running, but it'll be less intense. You know, Wednesday you might get off. Uh, Thursday you'd start to pick it up and you do some more work in relation to the game on a on a uh, Saturday and then Sunday, uh, Friday, sorry, you'd have a five side But I, you just notice with a derby, the intensity would be so much more on that Monday. You just feel that buzz and that intensity would be more than usual and uh which is good because then you know you're gonna be ready and you're gonna be prepared for that game. Yeah, you know, win win, lose or draw, you know, it's one of them things. But uh, you know, you, you know you're gonna be ready and you're gonna go out there and give hundred and ten percent. So
0: to go in the, the following season saw so you uh, were pretty much never present in, in the team. You pretty much played every game. Um and you played for most of the season alongside uh old Kind of one of our big signings of that season. It was uh, Emerson Tome so he was one of a list of kind of you know, pretty uh, good centre halves right in any time. Summon. So, I mean, in terms of Sunderland, who who were your favourite players to to play alongside at the back?
1: I enjoyed playing with Emerson. We had a good part. Po- good partnership you know he'd be the more of a baller I'd, he'd do it as well but I'm more of a tackler ahead of that type of you know gritty type player he was a baller try, you know he'd bring the ball out a little bit more from the back you know so I had a good partnership with him um you know Daz Williams had a good partnership I was good mates with Daz anyway so that kind of helps and we had a good partnership and uh, I remember a lad called Jocky Bjortland when he was there I had a good partnership with him as well so uh you know, it's really important as a player, you have a good partnership, If you don't have a good partnership, things don't work and you make mistakes. It's about understanding how each other play and what your strengths and weaknesses are and, you know, covering each other and you rely on your, your teammate to, you know, if you make a mistake, you know, he's going to be there. If he makes a mistake, you're going to be covering him. He, you know, you kind of work as one, you know, each other, how each other play and that benefits the whole team, it benefits you and the whole team at the same time.
0: You, you two were brilliant to watch it in that season, um, and uh, in that season as well, we touched on the derby. Your first one this season before, but you yep. got to play in a legendary night. It's got you know every <laughs> every Sunderland <laughs> fan. It <who> was there. <laughs> that, that night at St James's Park when yep. Shearer missed the penalty. We won two yep. one. I mean, another fantastic night, uh, you know, with, with you in a Sunderland shirt. Brilliant.
1: I know how amazing I think I've got I think I'm sat in front of the in front of my jersey now I'm so doing it to you. I'm sat in front of the jersey from the game Brilliant. so uh, yeah wow what a, what a memory you know what a you know playing in a derby you know Newcastle's a massive ground you know the, the crowd everything about it them nights is massive uh, but then to go and turn them over at their place you know that's just that little bit extra isn't it um, but yeah and then Shira misses the penalty. Right on Tommy Sorensen, you know, game winner, <laughs> yeah, things like that. Yeah, that's what you're for. That's what, you know, that's what he got paid for. And, 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 you know, he pulled one out of the bag just when it counted and he wins you the game. You know, wow, what an amazing feeling. You know, at the end of the game, the other games you look back at and think, wow, what a privilege that was to be involved with that, you know, at a young age that I was. And I'm thinking, you know, that, that's amazing. They're just you know, memories I'll never, ever forget. I mean, I, I,
0: sometimes I get them mixed up because we kind of beat Newcastle that many times around this time. But, um, but sure, <laughs> there was were a bunch of, of the Sunderland players, yeah, that went out in the town that night. I'm sure there I'm were a few. I'm pretty
1: sure I would have been one of them. Uh, <laughs> we did like to, we did go out in the town a few times. You know, I think that's kind of shows the relationship we had with the fans and we would go out in the town. You know, you go out in your tracksuit and thinking my god you want dream of doing that now Thinking, what a numpty we used to get in our tracksuits but you just kind of didn't care you'd think what a what a result what you just want to celebrate it as everybody does and you want to share it with the the people it means the most to which is the fans and uh the fans are always brilliant and we'd always you know we would go out down the town and uh we'd have a great time fans were always amazing yeah i bet you didn't have to buy a drink that night that's for sure I can't remember, strangely enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, you
0: talk about that time with the closestness of the fans. I mean, I think when you went down to play games in London, you really you'd make your old go out and drink with the fans, wouldn't
1: it? Oh, yeah, you know... <sighs> he was a big believer in keeping that relationship with the fans. And I think it's really important, Yeah, whether you're doing good or bad, it's really, and at any club, you know, you need that relationship with that fans. You know, they're the ones that, you know, stand in that stadium when it's freezing cold and pouring down with rain. And, uh, you were asking them to cheer us on whether we're losing four nil or winning four nil. So, you know, keeping that relationship with the fans is so important. And, you know, that was a thing that Peter Reed used to like doing. And, uh, I think out of respect for for the fans that would travel that distance because we're a long way from Sunderland, um, you know, it's out of respect for them and and thanking them for you know all that travelling they do and the money they spend to come and watch us play. You know, we owed it to them to put on a performance, and that's what we tried and you know, tried to do every every year, every every game.
0: It was frustrating though, you know, those those fantastic results, but for a second season in a row because um, we were second at the end of January. And then again, a similar run, we won one out of 11 league games and finished seventh again. I mean, again, it's another moment that I talked about among Sunderland fans if we go back to that time. But I mean, I imagine at that point the players were just as frustrated as we were that we didn't kind of kick on and, especially second in a row that we didn't kind of get into Europe and yeah. uh, start playing with a big bucks. Uh
1: yeah I agree What well, you know what was that about we'd do so well up to that point and then it would all uh, fade off to the end of the season it was a strange one um I can't put my finger on it, why it happened. Maybe too much Christmas turkey, but I, I really don't know. It's one of it's one of them ones it's one of those mysteries. You know, even if you'd picked up a few injuries, it shouldn't usually last that long. You know, you'd it would that would affect you for a couple of games maybe. It wouldn't affect you for eleven or twelve games in the other scenario. Oh no, really odd. Really odd. You know, we weren't the type of players that just, you know, took our foot off the pedals, but Looking on paper, that's what you said we'd done, is took our foot off the pedal and kind of coasted home to the end of the season. But uh, you know, we weren't that type of, it you know, wasn't that type of changing room, you know, Borley, Alex, right? you know, they're not the type of players that would let us do that, you know, and as young players, you don't do that anyway. So, you know, it is a bit of an odd one. i would uh, be interesting to go back and relive it and think what the hell happened there. Bye.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine Reading in sex and Letting you coast um, To be finished. No No
1: exactly I know they wouldn't You know they never did But a uh, strange one
0: I mean as I said Those two years We had a, we had a great side And it was actually It was our best Back to back League finishes Since since the 1930s But an absolutely Fantastic squad And it's still I mean even though We didn't kick on Like we wanted, wanted The team to do I mean Seven, two seven, place finishes. I'd, I'd take your hand off for that. Even in the even in the second and in the Premier Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, During
0: that exactly. time, who did you rate as uh, kind of the best players you played alongside in those two years?
1: Well, it was obviously Phillips and Quinn up front. You know, their partnership was great. You know, they're, they're such a good partnership. But you got players like Gray and Johnson on the left. I thought them two worked so well together. It's really hard. Alex Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Alex Ray was so tenacious. But, you know, he could shoot and he would pass the ball. The man that you played, you know, you you gave everything. you got players like Baldy and and, and Lee Clark would come in. And uh, who else did we have there? Um, Stefan Swartz, was he there that time? Yeah, he was a great player. He was so uh, Nicky Somerby on the right. I think these players were good players. Uh, How do you single out one person when, when all of them were... You know, they were all really good players, but I suppose that's why we were doing well. And, uh, you know, that combination of players and those pairings on the pitch, when they all work, you know, when your pairing works and they all work at the same time, you know, that's when you start getting good results.
0: Yeah. And then the next year, I mean, you know, the wheels kind of started to come off the following year. We finished 17th and survived. Um, I mean, did you feel the rating was on the wall and that team was starting to, to break up at that point?
1: I did, yeah. I felt it slipping and I'm stood there thinking I can't, you know, I feel it slipping. You can't do anything about it. The team was starting to break up and I think that's the issue. You yeah, know, that's the problem. You bring different players in and don't necessarily always work. And uh yeah. It's a tough division yeah. to stay in the Premiership. And just because you finished seventh twice, it doesn't mean you're then going to, you know, you're going to stay in the Premiership. We all know what happened and, and how things can change so quickly.
0: Yeah, I think you touched on it there. I think uh, in a few interviews, Peter reed kind of admitted, and a few talk as well in, in the clubs, <laughs> some of the pubs and clubs around Sunland that he uh, made some mistakes on the, on the recruitment side around that point. Because uh, I imagine uh, alarm bells were ringing when... Uh, I like I said, kind of Milton Nunes was turning up like a chain and ground around that time.
1: Well, exactly. You know, we're I'm not going to knock these players because, you know, I know these these lads And there, uh, but you've got to bring in the right type of players that are going to, you know, push you on, push you on from seventh to, you know, keep you in that second position, so to speak. You know, if you're second position just after Christmas, you want players that are going to keep you up there. You need to spend the money, bring in the players, and, you know, know that they're going to try it and test it and they're going to come and fit straight into that team and do the job and uh it wasn't that, that and that's like I said I was, I stood down training one day and thought you know it's slipping and what do you do but you know what can you do about it it's 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 we're going to get relegated and I, we didn't get relegated that season but I think it was the following season we did get relegated and uh, I saw it coming and you know you yeah. can't do anything about it yeah, it was pretty spectacular as well <laughs> the next season because um, yeah yeah we I think Peter Reed
0: uh Peter Reid got sacked I think it was in the October after we got beat 3-1 uh, against Arsenal that, I think you, you actually got our goal in that one um, yeah. and then Peter Reid was sacked and then replaced by Howard Wilkinson so I mean at that point what was the biggest surprise was it Reid getting sacked or was it the fact we replaced him with Howard Wilkinson
1: um, to, to be honest I thought it was Reid's time to go Um, was I in the team I can't remember if I was in the team well, you played in his last game. You know, I don't think I was. too... I don't know if I played the times before that, but I don't know if I was too happy to be honest. I know around about that time, I must. I think I lost my son as well, Jake. Um. So I'm so, you know, I think bef- just before I lost Jake, I was thinking, and I wasn't in the team. I was knocking on his door saying, "Why am I not in his team? I should be in. I should be playing." He just wasn't putting me in, so I wasn't happy at that point. Um. Yeah, it was one of them, and um. You know, it was Peter Rees' time to go, and then about how Wilkinson, who um, would have a meeting about a meeting, and uh, everything changed drastically, and the intensity dropped, and it just wasn't my cup of tea. You know, I'm a I need someone to, to I need to work hard, I need to be pushed, and uh, you know, he played me. Don't get me wrong, he played me in the team, and uh, I like Coxwell, who was his, his his wingman, the coach. He was brilliant, but I just you know. My, you know, I need to be working. You know, you need to get the lads out there working really hard, pushing, you, you know, improving. And we wouldn't. We'd have a meeting every day about. I don't even know what about. Just have a, about nothing. And then you'd go and stand on the pitch doing free kicks for an hour, I'm thinking how long does it take to line the wall up to do a free kick? It takes ten seconds on the pitch. Why are we taking an hour on the training ground? You know, it would uh, it would drive me up the wall. Um, but then that's why he got the sack. Because that wasn't working, and you needed, you know, you needed to approach it differently, and that was not the way to approach it. But you know, I'm no manager, who, who am I to say? But uh, that was just my opinion as a player.
0: Yeah, they couldn't have brought in a, you know, a, a more different character if they tried. Really, the squad that responded to and a Peter Reid and built by him, and then they bring in completely the opposite uh, character, it was just seemed a strange decision.
1: It was a very strange decision. Yes, but yeah. like I said, Cottrell was like his coach, and he was. Excellent. I really, really rated him and everything he did, but you know uh, he was only the coach, so he didn't pull the strings. You know Wilkinson pulled the strings, and uh, so you kind of you 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 were doing what he was saying. So, uh, but yeah, he was definitely the wrong man for the for the job.
0: Horrific season, Um, ended up on nineteen points, but you know towards the end in in kind of March time, we actually then swapped Wilkinson out again and brought McCarthy in. I mean, at that point was. Were you already decided, you know, I'm going to, I think I'm going to have a change here? You know, Sunderland, they're obviously going down, or was there still a chance you might have stayed on to help uh, McCarthy try and take us back? I
1: loved it. I was absolutely adored being at Sunderland, absolutely loved it. The fans, everything about it was fantastic. You know, as a footballer, I wanted to stay in the Premiership, but that didn't mean I was looking to get away from the club. You know, I was a Sunderland player, and teams came in for me and kind of, said we want you and that's it that's how football works we I wasn't you know going out looking for a new club they came knocking on the door and the club was you know they ended up getting rid of a couple of players and I was one of those players that you know didn't have a lot of say in it I did want to go I did want to stay in the premiership you know what player wouldn't want to stay in the premiership it's the best division in the world so yeah it was my time and I left the club you know but I loved the club and um I would have happily stayed there for the rest of my career, but that's just how football goes sometimes. Yeah,
0: well, it was, it was sad from from a fan's point of view because you were, as I said, you were absolutely fantastic centre-half and you ended up uh, moving to to Wolverhampton Wanderers for £1.75 yep. And you ended up staying 10 years uh, at yes. Wolves, which a uh, fantastic guest. And not many players do that now.
1: No, they don't. Uh, yeah, you know, I really enjoy my time at Wolves. i um, Back in the Midlands, where I have some family in the Midlands, which is where I grew up. You know, it was, a, it was a fresh start after I'd lost my son up in Sunderland. But, yeah, it was good. You know, it was, you know Wolves didn't come without its ups and downs. We got promoted. We got relegated. Yeah, It's, a, it's the same, same story. Um, but, yeah, I had a great time at Wolves, and, you know, I still live in the same house that I lived in when I first moved to Wolves. And, uh, yeah, a great bunch of fans like Sunderland were. So, um, you know, fond memories. Uh, all the clubs yeah. I've been to, some fantastic, fond memories. Yeah, and you, you, you actually linked
0: up with a few Sunland players out of, out of the time you spent in Sunland. I think, must be, was Alex Ray there and Paul Butler? Yes,
1: yeah, a few. You know, Butts, Alex Ray, Mickey Gray came down. I thought there'd have been more. But, uh, so, yeah, it was nice for them you know, to play alongside those lads again. They, they came down and um, I think Butts was already here, obviously. But Alex Ray... He came after I can't remember, but uh, yeah, like Mickey Brook Gray came, and uh, yeah, it's odd, it's strange how things work out, but uh, but yeah, it's good seeing them lads again, which you don't really expect to, and uh, and playing alongside them.
0: Yeah, well, obviously ten years, and you were quite rightly rewarded with in twenty fourteen with a with a testimonial, yeah. and the proceeds uh, went to the Birmingham Children's Hospital, which is, which was is fantastic, but um, it was against a, a Sunderland eleven, select eleven to get some of the old old lads in there, but that must have been an unbelievable way to end a fantastic
1: career. It was brilliant, you know, managed to get pretty much, well, managed to get loads of lads back playing, we could, you know, physically run and kick and you know <laughs> do anything on the pitch, you know, they weren't injured, so we pretty much got everyone back in, you know, it was hard work, you know, ringing around and getting people people I mean, getting injured the day before, and you've, and uh, but it was really nice just to have Coen and Phillips back playing up front and uh, yeah it was really good it was really good you know I really enjoyed it, it was you know and it's, I really appreciate the effort of players coming back and playing because you know I know how difficult it is to stop what they're doing and and travel and come and play a game of football but you know I'd like to think that they were they happy coming and just you know getting back together with their teammates who they'd had such fond memories with and uh, come and spend you know spend that time together for, you know for my special day
0: were the, were the drinks flowing on, on the night or was it not that kind of
1: thing? <laughs> no yeah the drinks are flowing yes there's a few of us so we all had a drink together obviously and then a uh, few of us kept it going which was good so uh, <laughs> yeah which is great you know it's nice to catch up because you don't you usually do it that you know you don't do it that often once you retire and you stepped away from the game you cross these you cross paths when you, if you do a talk, you know some players don't do. I don't really do talks or anything like that. Some players do more, so you don't really cross paths. So it's nice when you, you do, you know, bump into these players again, and uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I played a father side tournament at St George's Park last year, and, and Kev Phillips was there, so it was nice. To, and I hadn't seen it for years, so it was nice to catch up and just, uh, you know.
0: So I mean, that was a that was a fantastic end of your football career. But as we said at the beginning, kind of second career, is I suppose, is now well underway in the form of. Uh, your artwork um so I mean, just out of interest were you doing this while you were playing or was it just purely came about since you finished
1: no i was doing it when i was playing i wasn't thinking i was never at the standard i'm at now i was just pencils sketch, you know drawing at, at cambridge i'd done a level at school and so i enjoyed art you know it was kind of you know i enjoyed it that's why i did a level so i did it as a hobby I so uh, you know you do something that interests you you continue to do it in your spare time so that's what i did i would do drawings and that and that's all i could afford at cambridge i couldn't afford for i could only afford pencil and paper and that was it. um i went to sundown i had a bit more money so i could afford some more materials so yeah i just taught myself oil painting yeah and then i got and because they do it every day, you know, have that spare time in the afternoon when I finished. So I just paint anything that I wanted to or try and try and paint. And I just taught myself over years and, you know, over the time, over them years, um, to the point where they, you know, they got quite good. And players were saying, oh, you know, could you, you know, we've had a baby, can you paint them? Or I've got a dog, can you paint a dog? And I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'll have a go. And uh, they'd buy them off me. So uh, kind of where it stemmed from. And, yeah, you know, I've always had that love of art. So the more I did, the better I got, and yeah, you know, that's my job now. And uh, you know, it's great. You know, it's a great job. I paint all day, every day, and um, you know, stuck in the house at the moment with the coronavirus, it's you know even goes in my favour that I do even more painting. So um, you know, I love it. You know, it's a, it's a being a footballer was the best job ever. I tell my kids that you know there's no job better than being a footballer if you can do well in it. As far as in terms of of loving of loving it, you know, I love art just like I love football, and uh, it's great for me to be able to paint now. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if I wasn't a footballer for 20 years, because I, you know, financially wouldn't have been able to support my, you know, my art hobby, you know, hobby now job. So because um, it's not like I'm selling them straight off the rack every single day, you know, it, it's hard work being an artist. I might be able to paint anything that I want, but Selling's a different ball game, and you know it's a not much strong point. You know, being a, a someone that you know sells things, but uh, the painting—I'm good at the painting, so uh, you know that that comes in time.
0: Well, like, like I say, I, I've followed you on Twitter for quite a while. Just um, kind of looking at some of your artwork, and it, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, some of it's just just amazing. And I'll say to anybody who hasn't seen it—I mean, I, I follow you on on Twitter, but I mean, if you got a website or anything like that where you've got?
1: A collection of pieces well, or can well i do i use social media so twitter is you have yeah, you just type in jody Craddock, you'll find it uh, i used instagram with jody underscore Craddock underscore uh, and i use um facebook so jody Craddock art on facebook and that's where you'll see all my stuff it, i'm not hard to find and i'll you know Social media is great, and I'll literally paint a picture or do the pros. You know, I'm going through the process of this is it, you know, this step by step, and I'll put the pictures out. So that's kind of how people see it. And then, um, you know, I'll do art fairs and different stuff to, to sell it. And yeah, it's yeah, social media is brilliant. You know, it's uh it wasn't around back in the Sunderland days, but. Uh, but yeah, probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, probably a good thing. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it is. A, yeah, it's great. It's a great tool for me to to sell my work.
0: Absolutely fantastic. Anybody who hasn't seen it, get on there, have a look. It's it's absolutely mesmerising. Some some of the stuff on there. Get on there and, and take a look. It, it, it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, I hope on the, the other side of kind of current events, you uh, you get back out there and uh, get into back, into back into the exhibitions. And um, I will
1: do. Yeah, thank you. I will do definitely.
0: I can't tell you how much of a privilege it's been to speak to you, Jordy. I mean, uh, like I said, I saw you play—unbelievable player and uh, a cracking person uh, to boot. So, so thank you so much for your time. I'm hoping we're going to put some smiles on people's faces with that. So, so thank you so much for that.
1: oh no, my—it my, was a privilege to remember, you know, to go back <laughs> over some of these memories and, uh, you know, and talk about them as a player. You just kind of you forget a lot of things and uh, so it's nice to go over them and uh, it's a way for me to also say thank you to the Sunderland fans for all their amazing support for over the years you know you really brought me through some difficult times and I was there my man you know my wife I will hold Sunderland people in my heart for the rest of my life and uh, you know I love you all and and thank you You're, you're, you're amazing thank you.